one of the things that's uh, become popular because of the COVIDs um, has been online church. Uh, it's we. It, it's funny. We apparently uh, <laughs> there's like literally thousands of people in the Midwest who have been listening to our our services, which is cool. Um, I've never met any of them, but uh, so if that's you and you're listening, this is for you. Uh, I hope that you are not just listening. I hope that you're involved in a local congregation. And, and the reason for that, one of the big reasons for that is that um, God has given us these gifts, these uh, spiritual gifts, which is the series that we're in right now, Gifted. We're hearing about these spiritual gifts, and you can't use them by yourself. Uh, you, you have to have a place in a community, a church, uh, that, that where they get deployed. So if you if you're a, if you're a listener and you're, you're a consumer of of you know sermons and worship and all that, you also the next step for you is to go someplace and engage your gifts, and that goes for all of us here too. If you are if if what you do is you come to church on Sundays and you listen and you receive, that's good stuff. That's awesome, and I'm for that. Um, especially, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, they start out in like a really dark place and, and they come to church and that's where God begins healing, which is amazing. But if you're, if, if you're just there and, and weekend, and that's all you do. And if you're not sharing your gifts, uh, something's wrong. And so maybe this series will help you if you, you can start to figure out what your gifts might be. So let's look at our uh, theme verse. This is uh, from Romans, um, uh, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but be reasonable, each according to the measure of faith that God's assigned you. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we're members of one another. It goes on to say, uh, Paul goes on to give us these, these, this list of gifts. For uh, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us. Prophecy, those of you who are prophets, pro- uh, prophesy in proportion to faith. Ministry in ministering, teacher in teaching, uh, encourager, that's what we looked at last week, in encouragement, uh, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Uh, Paul uses that metaphor of the body, right? He, uh, members, he's talking about different body parts. Um, I hear a couple of my favorite body parts. Um, I, I love the tongue. That's probably my favorite. Um, the tongue works together with the hands to taste the cheeseburger. And that's, uh, that's probably like my top level favorite members of the body. But then I got the COVID uh, in December and f- apparently for like a whole month, I wasn't breathing deeply because the COVID stopped that. And so just like a couple of weeks ago, like I started like, oh, wow, there's like more to my lungs than I thought there was. It actually hurt to breathe for a while because like my, my lungs had gotten... So now I'm a big appreciator of the lungs. They were pretty much overlooked for a long time, but uh, I'm back. I don't like the nose. If there's, one, uh, if there's one body part I'm ready to give up, it's the nose. That's the, uh, the poop detector. Uh, and I, I have a very weak um, stomach. I, I, it's very easy to make me gag and throw up. And, uh, and so if I, if I'm part of the, the COVID was I, I lost my sense of smell, and it was glorious. I, I didn't miss it at all. Um, and yes, I like smelling coffee as much as the rest of you, but it's not worth it. I'd give it up in a second. However, every single one of these body parts is working in tandem, right? Uh, the nose is protecting the lungs, because if you smell bad air, you run away. And so you don't want—you guys do know that when you're smelling stuff, it's like particles, right? Being inhaled into your body. 
Just think about that. So your nose, like, get out of here. No, you don't want that. You don't want that in your lungs. And the lungs are like, thanks, nose. And then, you know, the, the hands, they hold the cheeseburger, and the tongue's like, thanks, hands. Uh, and that's the, the first thing in your notes, is that um, these gifts that, that Paul talks about, these gifts that the Spirit has given every single person, they're not for you. They're for everyone else. And so, if, if you aren't, uh, you know, using them, you're leaving uh, the church badly damaged. So let's look at, uh, today, let's look at uh, prophecy. This is, a, this is a weird gift. This is one that people, it depends on your church background. If you don't have one, uh, you'll be like, wow, they believe in this stuff? Uh, and if you do, you might be aware that prophecy gets thrown around in lots of different ways. We'll talk about that. Prophecy in proportion to faith. Paul believes that, uh, that, that the Spirit gives the gift of prophecy. And uh, when he says in proportion to faith there, I think he's talking about faith being like um, your, your, your union or your trust in God, right? So like if you have monster trust in God, if you are fully and completely dependent on, on God for everything, it's probably, you're probably going to be in the zone of, of, of prophecy. That might be a, a, a gift that, that God has given you. Now, the problem is most of us, when we hear the word prophecy, we think of this guy, Nostradamus. Look at that guy. Apparently, in the 1500s, he wrote a book called The Prophecies, where, according to uh, the internet, he prophesied uh, Hitler, uh, 9-11. Most recently, he predicted covid yeah, I saw, I read an article where he, apparently there's a line that I guess corresponds to 2020 where he said something like, and the oceans will bring maladies. COVID, obviously. <laughs> I mean, how do you not get that? Uh, yeah, the, the, for most of us, when we hear prophecy, what we think about is predicting the future, right? Telling the future. Um, fortune-telling in a way. In fact, uh, I went to a, uh, when I was in college, I went to a very uh, Pentecostal uh, church um, one time, and uh, at the end of church, they had a prophecy booth where you could go and get your fortune told. Yeah, I was like, I'm not doing that. That's, no, this is over the line for me. I don't get that at all. Uh, but I had some friends who did it, and, I w- and, and when they were done, they were like, like yeah, it was amazing. Like, uh, she told me all this stuff about myself. And I was like, doesn't that kind of sound like exactly what would happen if you went to a psychic? Like, is that? And it's because that we, we just have this natural understanding of prophecy is telling the future. But that's not really what prophecy is. There's a reason for that. It's because as Christians, um, we probably remember that, that there's prophecies, predictions about Jesus in the Old Testament. And that's true. That is real. That, that's, that's an, and that's, that's cool. It's awesome. It's neat. But that is like the tiniest little sliver of what prophecy is. Like the whole telling the future thing. And we'll talk a little bit of the telling the future thing. But first we need to know what prophecy really is. And so I have a couple of uh, texts here from Peter and Paul. Um, this is Peter. He says, Prophecy never had its origin in human will. Not something that you can do on your own, like psychics. Uh, but prophets, though humans, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and if you read Old Testament prophets, you hear this over and over. The word of Yahweh, Yahweh's word, the word of the Lord. So it's like what the prophet is doing is not telling the future. The prophet is telling us what God's saying, thinking, doing. 
Paul, if he says, he says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, this text, he's like being very hyperbolic. He's like, say I was the greatest prophet in the universe. What would that mean? It means I would be able to penetrate into the truth of things. I would get to know for Paul, I would know the mind of God. Right? I would know as God knows. And so that's what prophecy is. That's the next thing in your note sheets. It's, um, prophecy is, is really just an ability that the Spirit gives us to hear or sense what God is saying or doing. This is not, it's not magical. Okay? It's a sense that we have that, that, that the Spirit can give to, to, to nudge us to know what God's up to. And I don't think that that stopped in the early church. I think that's still something that can happen now. Um, it just gets kind of out of hand in most contexts. If you were to take like a, a pendulum, right? Our church is kind of like on the, there is no prophecy, it never has been. And then that other church I was at, it's like, everybody's prophesying all the time, and they're speaking in tongues, and they're dancing the aisles, and it's, it, and I think both of those pendulum, both of those places are not really, uh, where, where God would have us be. So, and, and, and here's why. Listen to Paul. This is, uh, this is in 1 Thessalonians. He says this. Don't quench the spirit. Do not despise the words of prophets. Uh, that quench there, that's a spumuni in Greek, which is a fun word to say. Um, and it really is, it's like dumping the water because the Holy Spirit is a lot like a flame, um, the Bible tells us. And so, so Paul's using that metaphor to understand what the Spirit's like. Uh, uh, flames are good things, right? We like fire uh, that's fun to play with. Uh, also extremely dangerous, right? Fire gives us heat, gives us light, and also burn our house down. So the way that most people operate is they're like, that fire is dangerous. I want to, I want to get rid of it. And so, Holy Spirit, very dangerous. Get, get rid of the Holy Spirit. We don't want that. Why? Why is that? And then Paul goes on, don't despise or ignore, is probably a better translation, the words of prophets. Why would people have contempt for prophets? Why, I mean, if you, if someone came to you and was like, hey, God told me this, here you go. Why would you be like, ugh, get out of here? Why would you want to stop the Spirit from moving in power? Doesn't that seem like a bad idea? Why would people do that? Well, here's the unfortunate thing about prophecy. Uh, this is one of my favorite scenes of uh, the two towers, um, the, the Lord of the Rings. Uh, the second one, Gandalf is like, you know, he's become Gandalf the White, and he's, you know, returned, and he's coming to uh, Edoras, the uh, capital of Rohan, and there's the king of, the Ro- uh, king of Rohan on the far right, and uh, there's his advisor, Grima Wormtongue. Grima Wormtongue is known for whispering these pleasant lies into the king's ear. He says, king, everything's great. You're doing a really good job. There's peace and prosperity. Just rest. Everything's fine. And so he lulls the king of Rohan into this, this trance, this sleep. Gandalf the White comes and he like, they kick in the door basically and they, they get everyone out of the way and Gandalf comes and he's about to speak and Grima Wormtongue looks at him and he says, you storm crow, the bearer of bad news is a bad guest indeed. You see, the thing is, Gandalf, every time he comes to Rohan, he's giving him bad news. 
He says things like Sauron is becoming more powerful and he's attacking the south and I don't know if they can hold. Saruman is, you know, raising up an army of orcs and whatnot and they're, they're right at your, at your borders. Already you're in, you're in danger. You've got to wake up, king. He's called the storm crow because every time he does, he crows about the coming storms. He brings bad news. The thing about his bad news, though, is it happens to be the truth. I challenge you, I challenge you to read the Old Testament prophets. Pick any of the books, it doesn't matter. A short one, because it's easy. You know, Hosea, Hoshea, Amos, Micah. These are some of the lesser ones. You know, you never hear them in church. You just kind of skip over them. Read it. Read it. Just today, go read. And, I, and look for the good news. Nope, not there. Uh, the prophets, if you read through them, all the time they're like, you're doing this wrong. You're corrupt. You're evil. God's mad. Change course. Please Stop. The poor are being ignored. You're not ruling with, with justice. You've turned away. Every time the prophets come, they, they, they say these things, and, they, and then they follow it with something like this. And if you don't turn around, God's going to do something mean. Predicting the future, Right? Now, is that predicting the future because the prophet's like sitting there and is like, has like got the star charts figured out and is like divining the stuff and then is like, oh yes, there's going to be an exile to Babylon. No, that's not what happens. What happens is the prophets simply know God so well and they understand him in, in, in the way that you might understand your own parent. They're so intimate with uh, the mind of God. They're so soaked in scripture. I think Ezekiel even literally eats some scripture at one point. Is that, is that, a, I didn't make that up, right? That's real. Yeah, it's real. He like he he rolls up some of scripture and eats it to show people how soaked and in, in, in God's word he is. He's so close. He's so intimate with God that that he understands what God's going to do. God is not going to just put up with this nonsense forever. Very gracious, yes, but also holy and just. Prophets are the worst. When a prophet shows up. They're usually going to say something like needs to change. Now, in leadership, if you're in, if you're, or you're comfortable, right? You know, if you're in a, in a church or you're leading a church or you're a part of a church or a community, any community, if things are going well, the last thing you want is for someone to come and shake things up. Nobody likes that. Scary. It might cost you. And so prophets are usually pretty unpopular. That's the next thing in the, in the note sheet. Prophets uh, aren't usually popular because prophecy usually upsets the status quo. God, you know, God, God's already given us scripture, right? We don't really need a whole lot of, you know, new info about who God is, what God's like. Uh, if God wants to communicate, it might, wants to shake us up. It's probably because we're doing something, we're off, What else does Paul say? He says, he says, don't do that. Don't quench that, 
right? You need that. That's how, that's like God's going to bring people to say some tough things, sure. But if you squash that, then, then you're, you're not going to be paying attention to God's warnings, God's desires, what God is up to, what God is doing. You're going to miss it. And if you ignore or despise prophets, if you ignore them and don't listen, then, then you're in danger of just doing the same thing over and over and over again and missing out on what God wants to do. So don't do that. But here's the deal. Go ahead. When you hear someone say, well, God said this to me. Don't be like, yes. Good, good, very good. Don't immediately just go along with it. Instead, test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Now, there's, I think, two types of people in the world. Uh, there's people who are comfortable with amb- ambiguity. That's me. I am, I'm, I'm okay when things don't make 100% sense. Then there's people, usually they turn into engineers or accountants, so we have a lot of you in here, uh, and you can't stand it when things are unsettled, or you want the math equation, you want the, you want to just know the truth, you want a, a system for figuring out what's what. Me, I'm like, eh. you're like, uh, yeah, except you isn't going to make sure the bridge doesn't collapse when someone drives over it. You're like, you're like, you, you're like a child, and you're playing and having fun, while the adults over here are getting things figured out. And I respect that, and I appreciate you. But you might have a hard time with a very important question like this. Which of these is the greatest rock album of all time? There's only, there's only two options. Uh, my father's favorite, which is uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by the Beatles. And my favorite, which is In Utero by Nirvana. And those are, obviously, those are the top two. Right? No one knows, well, we do. I know that Nirvana is the best. But my father disagrees, and some of you might as well. And so we would, spend, uh, we would spend time talking about this. He would say things like, your music sounds like someone vomiting. <laughs> You're not wrong, but it's a beautiful vomit. And I got to say, I love the Beatles, but um, my father was super against drugs. And I'm like, how do you think they made that? <laughs> I'm pretty sure John Lennon was just sitting around being like, what this needs is a xylophone. That didn't happen. That, uh, that John Lennon went to a special place, and then the, the, the xylophone became more, I don't know, relevant. So I don't know if he ever really uh, figured that out, but that's what happened. Now, when you're trying to build a bridge, there's an absolute undeniable right answer. And of course, I'm joking. Like, there's no, I mean, who knows what the greatest rock album of all time is? I like Nirvana and Utero are the best. But, like, that, that's, that's, that's a judgment of a different sort, right? Um, it, it's hard to know if, like, if you were to ask God which is the best rock album of all time, God would have an answer. If God did, it would probably be one of the albums that uh, John Knox was drumming on in the studio. You're the best man. Um, but, prob- but maybe not. And so there's this, this question because, you know, there seems to be something ambiguous. When someone comes along and is like, I have a word from the Lord. God has, God has said something to me. God has revealed something to me. On the one hand, I would love it if we could, like, come up with, like, a math equation to, like, drill it down and be like, yes, that's correct, or no, that's not. But there isn't one, and Paul doesn't ever really, 
you know, describe one to us. He tells us, so does John, by the way, uh, to test and evaluate um, spirits and words. Uh, but he doesn't say, well, this is how you do it. So, I, I, to me, it's, it's somewhere in the middle. God either spoke to someone or didn't. But evaluating it is a little, it, it's not quite what's your favorite rock album, but it's also not quite how do you build a bridge. It's, it's somewhere in between. Um, and I have a, a kind of a, a list here of, of ways that we can um, identify. First, if, you, if you're wondering whether or not you're a prophet, um, here are some things that you can think about. And, and the rest of us, if, if someone comes up to us and says, God spoke to me, here are some questions we should be asking. Is this word in keeping with the clear teaching of Scripture? God will not tell you something that violates things God's already said in the Bible. So if, if you're you know, having a very spiritual experience and you think God tells you to murder someone in cold blood, you're wrong. Because God also said, do not murder. And God's not going to go back on that. God can't go against God's self. And so that's the first thing. Is this something that would violate Scripture? If so, out of bounds. Does this word challenge the status quo and our Christian complacency? Is this a Gandalf stormcrow move? Or is this like, you know what, Tom? Not only are you the greatest pastor who's ever lived, but everything you say is just perfect. If that's the word that God gave you, that one's right. But... But most of the time when it's like that, it's not. Uh, most of the time, God wants to shake us up. Uh, does the word call the church to Christ-like self-sacrifice and giving? Uh, God, God's ultimate uh, move, God, the, the, the action that God did that most sums up, that gets to the core of God's character, is God giving himself in Jesus Christ to die, to be tortured to death for our salvation. When God is speaking to us, he's speaking to us in the shape of the cross. God's not coming like, hey, I got a great word for how you can uh, be super uh, happy and, and comfortable. That's not a typical God word from God. Um, now, God might be speaking healing, especially if you're in a, in a place in life where you have been ground down and, and, and destroyed. And God may be speaking and saying, no, uh, you're... you're, you're Come to me, my grace. I will, I will comfort you. I will be with you. I will forgive you. I will raise you up. But if you're in a pretty comfortable place, chances are if God speaks, God's going to be speaking to challenge you to give yourself away. If you're wondering if you're a prophet, the first thing you need to are, am I close, in close union with God right now? Um. You know, Peter says we, that it doesn't come from human will. Prophecy doesn't happen because we want it to or we try. But it does seem very, all the way throughout Scripture, that the people who, who God elects to speak for him are people who are in deep, prayerful communion. Um, and I don't know how that works. I just know that it does. And last, uh, do I have a strong track record of rightly communicating God's words to the church? If you've had the sense, God's saying this to Coast Bible, and then Coast Bible listened to it, did, did the church thrive? Or did you have, have something that you, God, you believe God was, was saying, and, and, and the church ignored it, and then the church failed? Like, those are the types of, that, that, that kind of track record of, of seeing whether or not God um, is using and is speaking. That, that's a big, it's a big deal. Because uh, actually in the Old Testament, uh, if you were a false prophet, they, like, they killed you. Or they were allowed to kill you. 
Um, God is very, very upset when people say, I'm speaking for God, and they're not. That leads uh, to the last point. Prophets don't always get it right. And we, all of us, have to be in the business of seeking out what God's saying. I'm not sure what prophecy looks like at, at Coast Bible Church. Because, like I said, I mean, it's not a word that we use. It's not a concept that we're familiar with. Uh, just the tradition um, of who we are. But at the same time, I... Don't you think that the world is desperate for the truth? I'm so shocked um, by mass media. Uh, I I don't know why I'm shocked anymore, but it's so crazy how, how we all find places in mass media that tell us what we want to hear. We, it, t- it tickles our ears, and, and that's how people get clicks. That's how they get likes and subscribers. That's how um, the talking heads get so many people watching their shows. Uh, we, we have this innate kind of this natural inclination to go towards what sounds good, what, what confirms what we already think and believe. And I wonder if, if Coast Bible Church, if me, if you, if all of us, if, if maybe we're kind of like that, that, that king of Rohan, just sitting on the throne, just what, life's just passing us by, and, and these, these pleasant little lies are tickling our ears and, and lulling us into sleep and complacency. And I wonder if there isn't some part of us that is actually desperate for someone to come in and just take a flamethrower to all of it, to just burn it down. And, and shake us up and, and reorient us into exactly what God's up to. And maybe what God's up to is something really, really dramatically countercultural and opposed to what we're doing day to day, the way that we're living our lives. And what would happen, what would happen if we had in this congregation people who are asking God speak. And then God did speak and they came and they, you know, gave that message to the board or to me or to you. What what, what would happen if if we started opening up our ears and saying, okay, God, this is crazy. You're going, we believe you're going to go that way. And so we want to, we want to chase the spirit. We want to be on your side. We want to go. What amazing, incredible things would happen? What kind of nuclear explosions would happen in our lives, in the church, in Orange County, in the United States of America? If churches started saying, I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of all of the that I see on Instagram and I copy on TikTok and I see on MSNBC and Fox News and instead they're just blown in by the words of the Spirit brought by the gifted prophets of the church saying, no, this is what God's up to. This is what God has in mind. And maybe it's this, you know, maybe it's this lady coming teaching us about sex trafficking. Maybe it's going to Africa with, with Rachel or someday going back to Haiti. Maybe it's in our backyards. Maybe it's in the middle of our families and our lives. But who knows what would happen if someone in your life, in my life, came and said, I'm listening to God and I think this is what he's saying. And it's something you need to hear and it's going to change everything. And so there's two questions that we all need to be asking right now. Number one, am I a prophet? 
If you are, are you being heard? My guess is that there's a lot of people in here who have a gift like this along these lines, and you're just, you don't want people to think you're weird. Maybe, uh, you know, that term freaks you out a little bit. But if God is speaking, and you're not transmitting that to the rest of us, we're missing out. And the second thing is, do you have a prophet in your life? I'm like the opposite of a prophet. I, I love the status quo. I love being complacent. I love being comfortable. I need somebody who's going to be there to speak the hard truths. To say, look, I've been praying, man. And Tom, dude, you joke about having that heart attack when you turn 55, but it's probably going to be sooner. Get your act together. I need people in my life who are going to be fully sold out, committed to union with God and hearing what God's saying. And then I need to be humble enough to listen. Brothers and sisters, I, uh, I think that it's, it's high past time for Coast Bible Church to acknowledge that, that God does move and speak. Yes, it's primarily through the Bible. That's true. But sometimes God gives us these nudges. God gives us these. And boy, we had, think about what fire could take place if we were listening. Think about how our church would become built up and made insanely powerful for the kingdom of God. Think of how many people would be saved, lives transformed, baptisms. Think about what would happen if we started listening. Let's pray. Gracious God, I I pray that you'll reveal um, those who have the gift of of just hearing what you're, you're, you're saying and, and doing. I pray that, that people would be um, excited uh, to receive this. And, and I pray for our church that we'll uh, have ears open, listening um, for the things that you have for us. God, we want to know where your spirit is directing us. We want to know, even though it's scary, even though it could shake things up, even though it could rip... Um, us out of of comfortability and complacency. We know, God, that if you decide to move, you can do incredible things. And and, and God, we want to see that. We want to hear it. Speak, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and speak. And may our ears be open to listen. And may we set the world on fire. Build up your church, God. In Jesus' name, amen.